Good afternoon, sir. Welcome to Network Capital. Good afternoon, Utkarsh. We're excited to have a chat with you. Could you tell us a bit about yourself? Uh, great. Uh, my name is Ramanan, and I'm currently the mission director of Athel Innovation Mission. But uh, I've been part of the corporate sector for uh, several years now, since 1981, when I graduated from IIT Bombay uh, in electrical engineering. I joined TCS, mm-hmm. uh, been with TCS for a long time. Um, and uh, through TCS got the opportunity to work on a variety of assignments all over the world. And then from 2011 onwards, um, 2001 onwards, uh, I became the MD and CEO of CMC. Mm-hmm. And CMC was a private, was a public sector organization which was acquired by the Tata Group in 2001. And so they asked me to lead that. And that gave me a tremendous insight into the workings of a government organization. And from 2001 to 2015, um, I was running the organization as a subsidiary of TCS. It was a 51% owned subsidiary of TCS, 49% owned by the public and financial institutions. Uh, What it um, enabled me to understand was the richness of innovative talent uh, within the government, the type of projects and products CMC had created were pretty amazing considering that very few IT companies in India actually went the product development way. Uh, In fact, they had an assortment of over 80 products, uh, which they had created for very many organizations in the country, which includes, of course, the Indian Railway Reservation System, the Bombay Stock Exchange Trading System, the Central Depository System by CDSL, all the ports, if if you're not aware, have all been computerized by CMC. And these were world-class products, which also found replication in many other parts of the world. So that gave me a great insight into the government working. Of course, CMC became a very successful organization and an acquisition by the Tata Group because of great support from the Tata Group. Um, And in 2016, it got amalgamated into TCS fully. Mm -hmm. Uh, At that time, the government had just started the Athal Innovation Mission and it's a national initiative by the Prime Minister of the country to create and promote an ecosystem of innovation and entrepreneurship across the length and breadth of the country. And they were looking for somebody who had a blend of both uh, private sector experience and government experience to be able to lead this organization. And so I think I was very fortunate in getting this opportunity uh, through uh, the Niti IO, which is where the Athal Innovation Mission is hosted and I got in as the mission director of this particular initiative. And so here I am. Congratulations, sir. Uh, what about the Atal Innovation Mission appealed to you? Or what, what inspires you about the Atal Innovation Mission? I think the most important part is what the Atal Innovation Mission is set out to do. And it is creating, like I said, and promoting an ecosystem of innovation and entrepreneurship. Now, you see, India has never lacked for great innovators or thinkers or engineers or doctors, scientists, philosophers, you name it. Uh, India has never had uh, um, a lack of any one of them. But what India has systematically lacked, and which is why you have seen a flight of intellectual capital to many advanced parts of the world, uh, particularly the United States, Europe, and so on, is we have lacked an ecosystem of innovation and entrepreneurship where uh, very talented, very innovative, Uh, students from India find an opportunity to realize their potential through starting a startup or becoming entrepreneurial 
uh, for various reasons. So far, uh, India, after independence, uh, has had to struggle to become, uh, you know, self-sufficient in many ways. Uh, but we are now at a point uh, which is, I think, unique in our, his in, in our historical evolution since independence. First of all, we have a demographic dividend, which is uh, the envy for many a country. I mean, we have 65% of our population under 35 years old. The second thing is we are having an economy which is one of the fastest growing economies of the world. So we are growing between 6.5 to 7% and the hopes are we'll continue to grow much beyond that 8% or 9%. And the third thing is we have had the fortune of setting up an excellent educational system in the country. Uh, we have 1.4 million schools, we have 10,500 engineering institutions, we have 30,000 uh, colleges, uh, we have a lot of uh, business schools of world-class standards, the IIMs, the ISBs and so on. We have the IITs. So what we have is a convergence of many things that are happening good in the country. At the same time, uh, we have another big thing that is happening in the world and that is technology is changing the complete landscape of the world. Uh, you are, it's changing the way you are experiencing the world, uh, it's changing the way the world is experiencing you. And with affordable, advanced, accessible technologies like 3D printing or robotics or IoT or miniaturized electronics, augmented virtual reality, artificial intelligence, blockchain, uh, all of these are converging together to create possibilities never imagined before. And if the Indian ecosystem is there to capitalize on all of this for innovation and entrepreneurship. We wouldn't have the flight of intellectual capital to any other part of the world. And that is what excites me most about the Atal Innovation Mission. Right. The fact that it has been conceived and it has, uh, it is under implementation and it's not just a concept, but it is actually something that uh, we are trying to implement across the country. Uh, across various elements of the country, across various sectors, across various geographies, right. across the diversity of gender and, and as well as geographical uh, areas. That is something that has not happened before. And you see, today we have a Satya Nadella heading Microsoft, you have a Sundar Pichai heading Google, you have some of our world-class people leading world-class universities, whether it is in, in Harvard or in MIT and so on. Uh, if just imagine if we are able to create that same ecosystem of innovation which people don't feel the need to go somewhere else and they are finding all the opportunities here that will completely transform our country and that is what excited me most about this opportunity because being in the private sector and seeing how the world has responded to our IT, ITES uh, capabilities which developed in a very short time frame but I think which again was because of a convergence of a whole lot of other factors that I talked about. Yeah. So we have been able to build a $180 billion IT, ITS industry. But uh, today, with all these technologies available, with the demographic dividend, we have a unique opportunity in our history to create one of the most innovative nations of the world. And uh, that is something so exciting. So we have to address this in a very comprehensive manner at school level, at university level, at industry level. Uh, and if you want to do that, uh, we need to have a holistic approach. And the Athel Innovation Mission has been conceived with that holistic approach. Right. And um, uh, the fact that I have the 
background of both how a private sector operates and uh, the exposure to the government sector makes me very excited about the possibilities of taking this to the next level and being of great value to the nation. Yeah. You go to several tinkering labs, schools across the country. What has been the most satisfying part of uh, building Atal Innovation Mission, if you could re reflect on a couple of moments that jumped out at you? Yeah. So I think first at the school level, um, the just the fact that today we have a game-changing uh, methodology and an intervention by setting up thousands of tinkering labs in the country where the latest of technologies like 3D printers and robotics that I mentioned about, they're all available in a dedicated innovation workspace. Uh, when I visit an Atal Tinkering Lab today, what uh, makes me feel very, very happy is one, to see the spark of excitement in the children's eyes because suddenly they have got available to them a tinkering space mm -hmm. where uh, they allow their imagination to fly, convert their imagination into a product or innovation by just tinkering with technologies. And they're not judged by anything else. You see, uh, while our educational system has had great advantages, uh, we have somehow focused on a rote learning mechanism, uh, which is being rewarded the most. And not every student has access, equal access, to uh, a superior rote learning capability because sometimes you have tuitions, you have, if it is in a good metro city, the school has better teachers. If you have a good uh, uh, tu uh, tutoring system in and around, you have the benefits of all of that. And somehow the focus becomes, how do we reward students who are performing well in academics? But we are not telling them how to become problem solvers. And today, if you go to a grade six to a grade 12 student who is having an Atal Tinkering Lab, the student is actually thinking, what are the problems around me? How can I solve it and how can I use this technology? Today, if you go to any adult tinkering lab, they're aware, they're aware of sustainable development goals, the UN SDGs, because we launched tinkering challenges and tinkering marathons aligned with SDGs. Right. So this is a game changer. And I remember when I was a student, I never had access to any such, I mean, you had access to, of course, a physics lab and a chemistry lab, but you did experiments there, which were where you were told to do something and told to learn something. It was prescribed. It was prescribed and uh, and plus you had marks associated with it. But here is a place where you just say, hey, what do I do with this lab and with this technology? And then when we introduce them to the art of problem identification and problem solving and allow design thinking and creativity to find an expression, that has a completely different dimension to a student's life. Right. And See, if, 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 if I recall my own, um, you know, when I went to university, I had an opportunity to do a project at TIFR, the Tata Institute of Fundamental Research. The latest of technology was available at TIFR, even more than what was available at IIT Bombay. So every day I remember this journey I used to make from IIT Bombay to TIFR, just so that I can play with that technology. I, was, I had the fortune to meet Dr. Ramani, who was heading TIFR, and he said, why don't you do a project on uh, the DEC computer, which had just arrived, and which was an online system. And here I was in IIT Bombay at that time in, in the 80s, uh, using punch cards. And suddenly to have an online system available to you for, for doing some a project uh, was enough to inspire me to go all the way from IIT Bombay to Kolaba and travel that distance just to be able to do this project on latest technologies. And I was reminded of that when we started setting up these adult tinkering labs. 
because suddenly you are making access to robotics, IoT, miniaturized electronics, augmented virtual reality right at the school. And students who have only dreamt about tinkering with such technologies are suddenly having access to that. So that has opened a completely new range of possibilities to the students. And I think that is one of the most fulfilling things that I have seen. Yeah. And of course, now at the universities, we have launched incubators. We have launched over 100 incubators. And in three uh, years? In, in just in the last two years, actually. Wow. And um, 50 of them are fully operational. The other 50 are getting operationalized during this year. 900 startups have come out of this uh, existing 50 incubators. And it is wonderful to see that students from a university today have the option of going and starting a startup and being supported for two years to four years in the incubator rather than being pushed towards seeking a job in a company mm -hmm. when they know they have an idea that they would like to see uh, it uh, convert into a product or into a company. Right. And to have 100 or 200 of these incubators in the country is a great uh, source of uh, encouragement to our very talented youngsters to try out something and create startups and possibly unicorns. And that is really scaling up in a very big way. I see. So both of these have been very fulfilling to me. Yeah. But I'm sure, sir, it's not easy. So what are some of the challenging aspects of, uh, of building this innovation mission around the country? So there, as, as you rightly pointed out, Utkarsh, there are many, many challenges. Uh, but every challenge has, a, has also a solution. One of the big challenges we had is when we introduced Atul Tinkering Labs, for example, um, most of the teachers are not familiar with all these technologies. And the school management is also not familiar with uh, how do you run an Atul Tinkering Lab. So uh, we engaged not just, I mean, of course, we did a lot of interventions to have training programs for the teachers and so on and so forth, which has had a great uh, benefits. But we also realized two things. One, we need to get mentors uh, associated with these tinkering labs and with the incubators and startups because there are thousands of very qualified professionals in the country or researchers or students in the universities phd students or mtech students they all have the knowledge they have the expertise uh, they have the familiarity and the exposure to the latest technologies that are percolating the marketplace so how do we engage them in a voluntary manner to be able to mentor these young students as well as the ATL in charges as well as the, the school management if required. Mm -hmm. And so we launched upon um, uh, a huge Mentor India platform to be Which created. I believe is one of the world's largest mentoring initiatives, yeah. if not the largest. Yeah, it is one of the largest uh, that, that I know, at least in India. And um, potentially it could be, it could become one of the largest in the world. The whole idea here was uh, we solicited you know, mentors to get associated with Tinkering Labs. And to our surprise, and maybe not so much to our surprise now when I reflect upon it, <laughs> we had over 10,000 people who registered interest. And these were all highly qualified people, capable people, professionals working in large organizations like TCS, Infosys, Wipro, IBM, Microsoft, and so on. So this gave us the tremendous confidence that this initiative can be successful. Because without the private sector, without the professionals, without the corporates coming into the picture, such initiatives will often, you know, fritter away into... You have to close the, the loop. You yes. need to get all the ecosystem players on the right. roof. And then the other thing is, 
you know, uh, corporates are very interested in making sure that finally the students who are coming out from schools and universities are capable, innovative, and there is, uh, there is very less gap between what the industry requires and what the schools and the educational systems uh, offer. And now the tinkering labs and the incubators provide a platform in which you are constantly keeping current and abreast of the latest technologies that are out in the market. Right. So for example, we have just introduced an AI do-it-yourself kit. We are planning to introduce a blockchain do-it-yourself kit. Imagine a student who is coming out from school and who knows what is happening in the outside world and who, who has access to that technology. Suddenly you are bridging this huge gap, the skill gap as they call it, uh, and you are constantly reskilling and upskilling the person as they go through the school curriculum during the six years from grade six to grade 12. And then when they enter into university, suddenly you're finding an opportunity to continue on that through the startup and the incubation system that you're setting up. So the, the entire linkage from school to university, to industry, to product creation, to challenges that the country has, and the ability for us to create products that will solve those challenges, that is the ecosystem that we need. And, and mentors of change that we have introduced has worked wonderfully so far. And I, I want to also thank uh, Network Capital for playing such an important role in fostering this entire uh, mentors of change campaign and, and providing us a platform and the support. Because without mentors, uh, none of our initiatives are going to succeed. And now, uh, just for your information, we are having tremendous interest from the diaspora in uh, Singapore, in United States and so on, who are That's saying... fascinating. Tell us more about it. Yeah, so we have actually uh, had... Uh, when there was an event uh, that we recently held uh, at Singapore called Inspreneur. Uh, and this was a joint co-innovation, not a joint, uh, it was a joint workshop where uh, 15 to 20 startups from India and 15 to 20 startups from Singapore, they were all... Uh, there was an event which showcased their innovation. And a whole lot of venture capitalists um, strategists and all they came for this event uh, both the prime ministers uh, or the prime ministers of both the countries attended that high visibility but more importantly high visibility into the ecosystem of innovation entrepreneurship that is being built in India and Singapore uh, becoming a partner in this entire initiative and during that we suddenly found interests by the Indian diaspora in Singapore the pan IIT, pan ISB, pan IAM clubs which are there, they said that they would like to become mentors to the Atal Tinkering Labs and the startups and the uh, incubation ecosystem. So we have a formal collaboration now uh, where uh, these um, very highly accomplished people who are settled abroad are now wanting and, and started contributing to the mentorship movement that is required by us. So I think this is something that uh, and what is also appealing is, you know, all of us, we grow up, we do well in our, in our corporate world. And at some point in time, you want to give back to society. And what best way to give back than in the core competency that you have developed over the years. And so this, I think, is the most appealing part. You see, you want to give back to society, but you want to give it back in a way where you can add maximum value. And so the knowledge you have gained, the expertise you have gained, the problem solving capabilities and the methodologies that you have learned over the years, that is what is required to be given to the young students, to the young innovators 
to the people in the uh, startups and they can benefit enormously and uh, so we have actually now launched a new mentor of change application the second round of mentors of change i believe the applications are live as we speak yeah they are live as we speak and we have opened it up not only for mentoring tinkering labs but also mentoring startups and incubators and i i am really hoping that there's going to be tremendous response not only from india but from other parts of the world uh, because we have enhanced the application to share where are you mentoring from and the whole idea is not only to have physical mentoring at the labs but through skype also through skype and remote mentoring and distance mentoring and today technology is a great enabler for all of that maybe tomorrow we'll have an augmented reality virtual reality powered absolutely absolutely i mean none, none of them are out of bounds yeah. and in fact leveraging technologies like that uh, to be able to let's say showcase how best to leverage a 3d printer you know and uh, uh, imagine uh, the hololens technology being used for collaborative purposes on this that something is possible in today's world yeah and so that's the sort of thing that we are looking at i just want to echo one point that you just mentioned um when somebody gives back a volunteer's time it's a learning opportunity for the person as well absolutely so this is the student learning it's yeah. the person who's offering advice he or she is also learning and also there's this uh, what you're doing is building communities at multiple levels one is a student of a community of students and young entrepreneurs then community of people in india who want to give back and then community of people who've gone abroad but still care a lot about their home country right and then you're bridging it all under nation building so Correct. i think this hats off to you to what you're trying to do sir oh, thank you thank you so much and and that that's the whole idea how do we um, give a platform and give the opportunity to engage with what our young people need what our country needs and i guess what the world needs i mean uh even being uh, you know not just necessarily focusing on what india needs because many of the problems that you solve in india uh, are problems that many parts of the world face climate change is a universal problem water management is now becoming a universal problem affordable housing is still a big big problem in most of the emerging economies uh, how do you ensure uh, transportation which is not adding to the emission problems and the climate problems how do you prevent pollution so these are all global problems and in india they manifest them manifest themselves or have the potential to manifest themselves even more because we have 1.3 billion people and obviously as the economy grows you're going to have a lot more uh, transportation needs you're going to have automobiles on the roads and so on so how do we align uh, the challenges that not only what we have today but tomorrow and have problem solvers and innovators solving it and also addressing the job problem so it's a it's a tremendous opportunity for uh, anyone who has done well uh, in their corporate world in their profession or in their entrepreneurial world to help uh, the youngsters the teaming youngsters who are coming out and be able to guide them along the way and i and i agree that you know it is in sharing that you gain absolutely so when you give i mean i always consider the teacher's profession as the noblest profession because a teacher doesn't hold back anything he or she gives everything to all the knowledge that they have to the young student and the benefits of that they are going to see 10 years or 15 years down the road or they may never see in their own lifetime but their student may have become the abdul kalam the steve jobs the satya nadella whom they have taught at some point in time now if we are able to increase that 
through the mentorship networks, through the corporate adoption, through corporate partnerships, uh, and through collaboration between governments, uh, that's going to have a tremendous impact. So you're uh, essentially enhancing the innovation per capita. You're democratizing innovation and taking it to all parts of India. And truly, like what you solve for India is like a solution for the world. Climate Correct. change and all require a global mindset. Uh, what has surprised you about the kind of innovations that you've seen so far? Is there any correlation between the innovations that you're seeing in, say, Delhi versus what you're seeing in a rural uh, part of Bihar or yeah. Northeast? So, uh, it's very good you ask this particular question because uh, some very uh, interesting statistics have been thrown up through the tinkering challenges and the tinkering marathons that we run. Uh, as you know, India has 715 districts. Uh, tier 1 cities are only 8 or 9 of them. And the rest are Tier 2, Tier 3 cities. And there is rural India and coastal India and hilly India, as, as we all know. And some of them are villages where uh, the nearest uh, town is at least 20 kilometers or 30 kilometers away. But you have schools everywhere. And when we uh, launched these tinkering challenges and we launched the tinkering labs uh, and ran these challenges, we found very interestingly that some of the best innovations came from the rural areas. And that surprised us a bit initially that uh, how come you know, students from the rural, rural areas or tier two, tier three cities are able to come up with better innovations to the challenges that we throw. And then it suddenly was not so surprising because they identify themselves, they identify the problem statement very clearly. When they see a particular challenge, they say, oh, this is a problem that I face in this sector, whether it is healthcare, whether it is education, whether it is transportation. And the ability to articulate a problem very clearly often leads to the articulation of the innovation also very clearly. And so the innovation is very clear, is very well defined, and you suddenly see an innovation which is actually addressing a problem and solving a problem. Right. So for example, uh, uh, school students, a girls school in Tutukuri, uh, they created a solar panel IoT based irrigation management system because they have a water problem there, they have an energy problem there and it's a primarily farming land and they created uh, uh, students from grade 8 to grade 10, they created this uh, prototype they actually went to the fields, uh, tested it with the farmers. The farmers gave them some more input. And now these people are working towards making it into a product that can be utilized. Uh, um, a group of children from Sikkim, uh, they came up with a robotic waste management uh, uh, innovation where the robot would automatically uh, disaggregate organic and inorganic waste. But to incentivize people putting it into a trash can, they also created an IoT-based system. So when somebody puts uh, any trash into the uh, waste uh, management system, automatically a Wi-Fi router uh, creates a zone of free Wi-Fi for about five to 10 minutes. So you find many students now actually searching for any waste to be deposited into the waste management bins because they get free Wi-Fi, which is not very easy to get in Sikkim. Uh, in, in a hilly area. So uh, you find... Another case of great problems definition. It's not right. a solution searching for a problem. Exactly. But it's a real problem that they're trying to solve. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so when you look at uh, 
how how's the response from different stakeholders has been so lots of different partners have come together to make this happen uh, what's your advice to to them to keep you know keep working on it and how do you uh, encourage more mentors to apply and what are your expectations out of the mentors so um, first of all I, th- i think this is also very important we have multiple stakeholders the school the district in which the school is the school management the mentors the teachers in charge the atl in charges then we have a number of partners corporate partners who have either adopted a tinkering lab or the local industry which is there and they adopt certain tinkering labs and then we have the mentors and the mentors come directly either as individual mentors who have registered themselves or through the corporates who are wanting to uh, their employees to help out in that what is very important is uh, for us to get continuous feedback mm-hmm. from all of this people because we do know that there are challenges and what works at one place does not necessarily work at another place but what our attempt has always been to create a pool and a network of resources who are jointly discussing with each other sharing best practices sharing what has worked for them right uh, and their solution may be a solution for somebody else who's facing a problem of a similar nature and how they have addressed it so both the critical feedback that we get and i'm i'm quite open to any criticism of the you know of what is working and what is not working because our attempt is to continuously improve uh, like startups yeah, constant we are, iteration we are, we are a startup uh, atal innovation mission is also a, a big startup and so we want to ensure that the right feedback comes in the second thing that i am looking for the mentors is uh, is very simply encapsulated in um, you know they are teachers of a sort but they are not teachers in the conventional sense and i elaborate the word teach in i, I think it's an acronym for five things as far as what we are trying to do one is the technology element we are looking at mentors who can uh, not only uh, be practitioners of technology but who are people who are they may be from business they may be from arts but they can see how to leverage technology for creating solutions second is uh, stimulating the entrepreneurial spirit in every student so the e stands for the entrepreneurial spirit the a from my point of view is what the mentor should focus on is allow the person to think big to aim big to aspire big right. to fill the student with a sense of aspiration that these are the possibilities and you are having the potential to realize those possibilities and you have the potential because of the tinkering lab because of the incubator because of the mentorship and because of everything that is uh, positive and going on in your life and around your life so this element of uh, ensuring that you build a very high level of aspiration and at the same time combine it with action and accomplishment mm-hmm. because aspiration should not remain as aspiration it should end up with some clear action plan resulting in accomplishment and the the c from my point of view is uh, introducing them to the concept of challenges mm-hmm. challenges which are in and around so looking at the challenges and then converting them into opportunities right and and the h is having a very holistic approach having a holistic approach means from my point of view from a, or from a mentor's point of view should mean that uh, one not only is the student to be mentored but your maybe the atl in charge has to be mentored mm-hmm. maybe the uh, school management has to be mentored 
right. uh, and teaching them to learn to learn because not every mentor will have the answers to every question that the student will ask maybe he is he or she is not a technology expert but he should he or she should teach the child how you can reach across to others seek for help and make sure that that is addressed and i'll give you a great example of what i saw i saw in one particular school in in bangalore in a government school one of the young students so he doesn't speak english he spoke to me in in his local language kannada he had created an innovation of being able to of a of a uh, vehicle which can go underwater in the sea and using ultrasonic uh, and sensor technologies it could detect if a boat had capsized uh, any people who are struggling and so on and so mm. forth or or whatever you want to discover under the sea it could using sensor and uh, sonar technologies and sensor technologies could sense that and then alert uh, at the um, alert somebody right. and when i asked this student uh, when i looked at the device it had very interesting combination of pipes uh, it had wheels so this was a device which could roll from the from the land into the sea like a bond uh, movie that you see <laughs> and then it can go under water and then it will do the sensing and it will raise an alert and a mobile message can be flashed so he had done all of the stuff and then i asked who helped him and then he said i had a great mentor but the mentor said that this boy uh, also took the help of the local plumber in the in the school because when he was designing the pipes he wanted very flexible very light pipes uh, which can enable it to go under water and then he had uh, um, he was using uh, the bicycle gears uh, to be able to roll the device on the land and so he used uh, the services of a cyclist Uh, who you know a cycle mechanic uh, maintenance and who repair cycles to see how you can design that and fit it into the device so here was a mentor who was teaching the student that i don't have a solution for your problem but the local plumber also can become an integral part of the solution and the local cycle mechanic can become a part of the solution and that is what innovation is all about how do you bring the various elements together one is the theoretical part uh, the high end part and the other is the mechanical part and the and the you know construction part and this all came together in that innovation and that is what a mentor can help create i think this message is going to inspire so many mentors uh, all around the country and now outside as well i wanted to ask sir in your mind uh, is atal tinkering uh, labs atal innovation mission only for techies what happens to the artists the poets because you just mentioned that you want mentors not only from tech background yeah. but also other backgrounds i think how would you extrapolate that to students who want to aspire for different careers so uh, yeah it's a very very good question that you ask uh, the tinkering lab is not supposed to be only for the techies it is supposed to be for innovation and innovation is a combination of the fuzzy and the techy there is a very good book that is that i just uh, saw out in the market called the fuzzy and the techy mm-hmm. and uh, you need great design you need art you know and you need engineering and all of these elements go together in an innovation and uh, of course all of us have read about steve jobs and how the importance he gave to calligraphic uh, writing uh, he was a person who saw the importance of design arts uh, as well as engineering and every innovation requires this 
So second, supposing you want to become a budding artist and you want to become a budding writer or you want to become a budding uh, sculptor, today you have tools uh, that are technologically enabled, which is helping you go to the next level. Uh, there was this uh, wonderful example in one of the schools where uh, a visually challenged boy uh, is now using um, uh, his, his painting uh, using um, uh, you know uh, the uh, tools that are now available for painting and, and using braille and so on so that he can sense it and he can create a, and through audio as well as uh, haptic uh, sensors he is able to paint a beautiful picture on a screen. Uh, there was another example of uh, one um, differently abled uh, student uh, creating beautiful works of art uh, using uh, Microsoft uh, paintbrush and all of that stuff. So uh, innovation is, um, has no boundaries. Uh, we are actually very emphatic on use the tinkering lab for identifying problems, uh, whatever be the problems and creating a solution. And sometimes it need not be a problem. It can be just an innovation, which is adding to the aesthetic beauty of, of anything that you're experiencing. Like artists and painters and sculptors are, are creating works of art. And you can leverage technology and you can learn, leverage the innovation principles in a tinkering lab. No, I think that's, this will message will <laughs> give hope to a lot of liberal arts students, both mentors as well as students who want to. Yeah, and, and the other part that uh, I want to emphasize is whenever the best innovation teams have had, there is one technologist, but there is a great HR guy who is automatically bringing people together. There is a spokesperson who is very good in communication, who is not necessarily at all involved in the technology. And then you have a leader who is, uh, you know, uh, conceptualizing and, and designing and so on, and who is giving all those ideas. And that's where the best innovation comes in. So we do need the arts and the science and the, the uh, commerce and the financial angle. I mean, at the end of the day, all these innovations have to have a uh, financial angle and uh, the ability to be cost effective, uh, to be able to be self-sustainable. All of those things are very important when you're coming up with innovations. So uh, the tinkering lab, the incubators, we need the fuzzy and the tucky to get together. Absolutely. Yeah. I just want to shift gear towards the last section of the interview about your career choices and uh, your mental models, so to speak. Um, what have been some of the most uh, important career milestones, things that have meant a lot to you and why? Uh, <laughs> you have to go back and in time, Anytime. And, and, uh, Anytime. and uh, answer this. But I, I think... Um, um, when I look back and I say what has had some of the big impacts obviously you know you spend a lot of time with your parents and your parents instill in you uh, a lot of values uh, and also they instill in you a sense of confidence and I remember my mother saying this and of course it may sound a little pompous on this particular interview but she said you will win a Nobel Prize and I think I mean I, I don't think I'll ever win anywhere close to a Nobel Prize but the fact that she inspired in me this thought of a potential achievement, uh, I think has gone a long way in shaping. You learned to dream. Yeah, I learned to dream and I learned to uh, aspire. 
and I didn't take, uh, I have not taken a no for an answer at any point in time. So that's one part of it. So my she father, was your mentor as well? She was, uh, yeah, she was, she was a great mentor. Uh, my father, actually, he taught me many other things. Uh, uh, and most importantly, he inculcated in me the habit of reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, he used to get, he used to go around and get me so many books and so many comics. I mean, not just books, but comics and everything. In those days, we used to, I have read almost all the comics which were existing at that time. And so this inculcation of the habit of reading actually uh, gave me a lot of uh, uh, knowledge and so on. And then, of course, uh, some of the momentous milestones were for me, uh, and, and some, it may look odd, but actually when I was uh, uh, in the 12th standard and then going to college, uh, we both decided, my dad and me, that uh, I, I said I'll, I want to join the commerce stream because most of my people whom I knew were all commerce students. And so we went to this college, Podar College, and there was a very big line. Mm-hmm. So I stood in that line and my father was looking at me and then he said, you know, there is another neighboring line which seems to be shorter. <laughs> uh, what is that line? And then I went and looked at it and that was a line for the science stream mm-hmm. in Ruya College, which was next door. Mm-hmm. So my dad said, uh, why don't we go and stand in that line because I don't know whether you're going to get admission on this particular line. And uh, the science stream had a higher cutoff. Mm. And so I found I was eligible for that higher cutoff. Mm. So I went and stood. And so lo and behold, my career changed from commerce to science. And then I moved into the science stream. And then of course, uh, I remember the other incidents where uh, I was not very particular about going to IIT. But um, my mother... Uh, she was working for uh, an organization and her boss asked her to get an IIT application form for her son, uh, for his son. And so when she went to get the application form, she said, why not for my son too? And then she came to me and said, why don't you fill this form? I think there is an exam called IIT and it's supposed to be a very important uh, yeah. exam. Right. And so I found myself writing an IIT exam, which I had not imagined I would uh, uh, appeared because I was a very homebound person. Right. And then suddenly I And where was myself, home? Uh, in Bombay. Okay. I, I was born and brought up in Mumbai. I see. Uh, or Bombay as it was called at that time. Mm-hmm. And so, and then I joined IIT. Right. Now, why I say all of this is, I don't think, um, I, of course, you know, sometimes you plan everything ahead. But sometimes things don't go according to your plan. Most of the time. And most of the time it doesn't go. But what you do with the opportunity that presents itself at that point in time is the real opportunity. And instead of mooning and, and uh, brooding over what uh, did not happen even though you were trying for it, look at, at every point in time, look at the opportunity that presents itself and make the most of it. Right. And that has been one of the biggest learnings that I have had. Mm-hmm. And how about college and at work? would love to hear similar uh, if you had oh there are many many such stories uh, that is there and one very uh, very coincidental story is actually I got admission uh, when I was graduating from IIT Bombay Uh, I appeared for two to two companies one was TCS and the other one was CMC and oh really yeah and TCS gave me the offer first being a private sector organization And uh, so uh, I had appeared for the CMC interview. They said they would be, uh, they're selecting me, but that letter never came for more than three months or four months. In the meantime, the TCS offer was there. So I took the TCS offer 
and I was wondering what it would have been like if I had joined CMC. Right. And as destiny would have it, twenty uh, years later, I uh, got associated with CMC, but in a different capacity right. for running the organization. Right. Right. So it's it's. Uh, so would you say that your career is a combination of serendipity, hard work, and planning? I would say. I mean, I would I would say that hard work is important. If you don't work hard, if you don't put in your efforts, uh, these opportunities don't present themselves. Yeah. Uh, the fact that I got a chance to be selected by TCS is, of course, a result of um, you know a lot of hard work and effort that you put in your educational uh, system in IIT, getting into IIT, all of that played a big role. And it was wonderful for me, you know, when I look at it, uh, TCS opened up a completely new world for me, uh, a world where I worked for many organizations, uh, being deputed by TCS to these organizations, and I got a chance to work with world-class organizations. Motorola, AT&T, IBM, and so on and so forth. So you assimilate a lot from all of that, and that opportunity came, and then the CMC opportunity came, which gave me an exposure completely to a different uh, set of domestic capability that was there in India, the research and innovation capability that was there, and that was a tremendous learning. And I think in every so uh, make the most of what you get. Yeah, but you have to work hard wherever you are. Absolutely, and uh, and things you keep getting lucky as you work hard. Yeah, I, I guess so. I and think, also, you, I, I think, think fortune favors the bold, as they say. And also, and fortune, also the, uh, fortune favors the people who make the most effort. <laughs> <laughs> and also, people who pick carefully. I feel uh, with hard work, you also need to make the right choice. Absolutely. Like with yeah. these mentors of change, I really hope that uh, they're able to share their own career journeys with the students as well, so that. A person who really wants a student who wants to become poet doesn't feel compelled to join the sciences, Absolutely. as well as somebody who wants to be, join the sciences doesn't feel like joining commerce. Yeah. Maybe you can do both, but I think that's another low role that I feel that uh, both mentors can learn from your career trajectory, and as well as hopefully share that with the students. Yeah, uh, and 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 I I think um, you have captured it very well. Um, you have to be. There is nothing. There is no career in this world. Uh, which does not give you the opportunity to excel, right. and there is nothing which is better than anything else in this world. Of course, the world requires all of us. We, we, we need the engineers, we need the scientists, we need the philosophers, we need the uh, carpenters, and we need the artists and the sculptors. So we need all of them, and everyone has a unique place uh, to contribute and make a difference. Yeah. And I think the key is: can you make a difference to somebody's life? Mm -hmm. and to be, not only to yours but to some people around you right and the difference is in in the impact that it has mm -hmm. a work of art a temple created uh, a painting can give joy to as as much joy as a piece of technology can bring some uh, no, absolutely, sir. Thank you for leading such a powerful mission for the country. Any last words for uh, the mentors of change or for the students? This podcast will go out to everyone, to hundreds of countries around the world. Any parting words? Uh, I, I think uh, everyone um, has a unique opportunity in life uh, to learn, to grow, and to contribute. And I think one has to... And this is... This happens throughout. It is not that you stop learning and you stop growing, uh, but you have to start contributing. And mentorship is all about 
contribution, sharing the best things that you have learned, the experience that you have gained, uh, sharing your knowledge uh, with the rest of the world. Because what use is it to come into this world and not make a difference in some manner that you are most capable of? And I think that is the opportunity. So I would encourage everybody to think in those dimensions. And in giving, you gain. And I think if you, the more you give, the more you will gain uh, in many ways, not just the material way, but in many other ways. Oh, absolutely. So well put, sir. We'll come back for a follow-up session and also maybe go to a school when you can uh, visit and walk our listeners through it the innovation. It would be a pleasure and I would love to take you to one of our tinkering labs and the men and the uh, incubators and so on. Yeah. And what we are trying to do in India through this initiative is uh, something that can be replicated in many parts of the world uh, where they need it. Absolutely, sir. Yeah. Thank you for your time. We'll be back for more.